Exodus chapter number 33, so we're going to look tonight, and he said, man, you giving us a break from Amos? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if y'all could stand it, I don't know if I could stand it either, uh, Ed, but boy, I, I know that was a tough message this morning, but believe me, I had to deal with it before I brought it to you, and boy, God sure does draw that plumb line, that'll, that'll hit right where the rubber meets the road in my life, and uh, I'm sure if you're honest, it probably was with yours too, uh, but Exodus chapter number 32, or 33, is where we're going to be looking tonight. For just a few minutes, one thing, uh, right toward the end of the service that I said this morning, I just want to verify this. Uh, when it comes to the children of the second, third, and fourth generations, do you know, and I just to back up what I already said, that our decisions today affect our children tomorrow spiritually, morally, financially. Part of that is one of the big judgments that God has placed here in our land, and it's pretty easy to see. Um, we're going to be looking in Exodus 33, and I actually look back a verse that I didn't even share with you today, but we're doing some cross-referencing back. In chapter number 34, this is not the message, I just want to hit this tonight, because I hit Hosea 4 uh, right before I left, but I want to share this with you. In, in Exodus 34, in verse number 6, the Bible said, And the Lord passed by before him, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness, and truth. Boy, we ought to say thank you, Lord, for all of those attributes of God. But look at verse number 7, keeping uh, mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Now, according to the Word of God, the actions of mankind can be passed on down to uh, the children of the third and the fourth generation. I read to you, or sort of quoted a little bit this morning out of Hosea uh, chapter number 4. But the Bible said this in Hosea 4 and verse number 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. That was God speaking. He said, boy, preacher, that's, that's awful. Bold. That's why it's important for us to measure up to the plumb line that God has laid before us because not only do consequences apply to us now, it applies to our seed down the road. Think about this, and, and I've, I've preached this numerous, numerous times. We'll get to Exodus. It'll be a little more positive. Exodus 33 here in just a second, but it's worth hitting. Uh, you've heard me preach this multiple times, and it is a fact. What one generation tolerates, or what one generation tolerates, the next generation fully embraces. Now, go back to the 1960s. A lot of us wouldn't have. I was not here in the 1960s, but, Brother Harold, I'm dealing today with what went on in the 1960s. You're dealing today with what went on in the 1960s. It was, in, it was tolerated, and it was embraced. And what I'm referring to is the hippie movement with the social, economic, political, environmental. I mean, the reasons you have to pay, we have to pay so much for vehicles today is all the green. You know where that started? It was birthed out of 1960s. You know where the gay rights movement in San Francisco was nurtured and brought out of? It was brought out of the hippie movement. Uh, politically, everything has been affected and it's passed on down to generations. Notice how we've changed since 2000. We got 2010, 2020. Here we are sitting in 2024 and it's passed on to the next generation. Now, don't misunderstand this. Every individual that dies lost without God, they'll have to reject Jesus Christ. I believe every man has the grace of God, hath appeared to every man. Every man will have the opportunity, but part of the judgment of God are the decisions people made in the 60s we're dealing with in effect in, in 2024. Think about this. Now, I'm going to preach here in a minute. 
But in, in, in our economic environment right now, we're up to about, and I guess I don't even know how you even calculate this. Brother Kevin, we're up to $34.7 trillion in debt. Who do you think that's going to affect? Not only us, but those down the road. If the Lord tarries, he is coming. It's going to affect way on past the fourth generation if we can get out of this mess. We just sent some, uh, another, some kind of aircraft or something up to the moon here recently. You know what that was paid for? COVID money. That we're paying taxes on. Boy, I hate to get on that, get you in a bad spirit, a bad mood right before I preach. But I'm just saying the decisions that we make now affect down the road. And God promised part of the judgment was that it was going to be far-reaching to the third and the fourth generation. You've seen a great falling away, and a lot of that is a result of the 1960s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and 2000s. And listen, parents, uh, if church is not important to you, it's not going to be important to your children. Amen. If the Bible's not important to you, it's not going to be important to your children. If your prayer life is not important, it's not going to be important to your children. So listen, you're not only affecting yourself, you're affecting those around you that see that. So it's important for us to stay in line with the plumb line of God's Word. Boy, it's difficult, I know. Hey, as long as we live in this old fleshly body, we're going to struggle against it. There's going to be a constant enmity between the Spirit of God and, and our flesh. But thank God we've been given victory over that. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and thank God we do have victory. But here in Exodus chapter number 33, enough about that. I want to share uh, what's on my heart for this hour. In Exodus chapter number 33, of course, context of this, the people of God have, uh, Moses has been upon the mountain, and God's been communicating with him about the tabernacle and eventually being the temple, about how things are to be molded and to be made. He's been given the Ten Commandments that were written with the fingertip of God. And uh, in the meantime, when the people of Israel saw that Moses delayed being up on the mount those 40 days, uh, they began to play the harlot. And in just a short amount of time, Brother Harold, they began to sin against God. They told Aaron, well, we don't know what's happened. I'm paraphrasing. We want not what has happened to this man, Moses. In other words, we don't know if he's coming back. And uh, they, they wanted Aaron to, to, to give them something to worship. Well, he said, you take off those earrings that you got down, them golden earrings that you got down in Egypt. And they sure, certainly enough did. They brought it unto Aaron. And they molded that thing into a golden calf and gave, and they started worshiping that golden calf and, and giving honor and glory to that golden calf, the one that led them out of that bondage down in Egypt. I mean, what a smack in the face of God. In the meantime, Moses is up on the mountain. He's receiving the Ten Commandments. And then God says, get back down. That's, I'm paraphrasing. That stiff-necked people, man, they're playing the harlot. They're down there dancing. And they're, they're wallowing around, and they're worshiping a golden calf. And boy, God wanted to kill them. But again, just like Amos did, Moses interceded on their behalf and prayed, and it stayed the hand of God, and God didn't destroy them. I want you to notice something here uh, tonight that I was reminded of. I had some things underlined in my Bible from time past studying through this. I want you to look with me in verse number 1. Uh, now, this the Bible said in Exodus 33 and verse number 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up 
in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man put, did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people, I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment, and consume thee, therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Now this is after the sin of the golden calf. Moses comes down and he breaks the Ten Commandments that were written with the finger of God uh, because he's frustrated with the people. He intercedes. God withholds his hand. And now, um, as they start on their way, I mean, the people begin to repent. Really, they did. They're, they're mournful and they're sorry for their sin. But what I want you to see is found in verse number 11. The Bible said this, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh, Unto his friend. Boy, what a relationship God had with Moses and Moses had with God. But watch this. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now let's pray, Father. As we bow in your presence, Lord, again tonight, we say thank you, Lord, for the good singing. Lord, I'm glad that we can know. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the folks that have came out and braved the elements on a Sunday evening. God, I pray that you'd bless them for their efforts. I pray they've already been helped by the singing. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we try to preach this message. Lord, without your touch, it'll be all in vain. Pray that you'd speak to our heart, challenge our heart, help us to apply some principles and truths, help us to glean some things from your word. Lord, I pray that we'd leave out here stronger than when we came in. We'll be careful to give you thanks and give you praise. For what you do, we ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Well, we've read this text here out of Exodus chapter number 33. You see what's happened in, as Moses up on the mountain and then the people of God, they had this, this calf. And, and of course, Moses burnt that thing up and ground it up and threw it on the waters and made the children of Israel drink that stuff. It was bitter unto them. And then we begin reading in, in chapter 33 that they start on their journey and the people are afraid of God. And boy, the beginning of wisdom is the proper fear of God. That's where knowledge comes. That's where wisdom comes, is to have a proper respect and a fear for God. So they're thinking they're getting ready to be consumed, so it drove them to their knees in repentance. But I want you to notice, verse number 11, there's a man there that uh, has intrigued me for many, many years. I preached multiple messages on Joshua, but Joshua is here in the tabernacle. Now, the main emphasis of chapter 32 and chapter 33, of course, Moses is front and, and center, but in the background. In the background, there's a man by the name 
of Joshua that would be the one eventually that God will choose. And that was no accident, by the way, that Joshua was chosen to lead the people of God into that land of Jordan where they crossed the Jordan River, into that land flowing with milk and honey. It was not by accident or happen chance. No, Joshua had been preparing. God had been preparing Joshua along the way. But notice what your Bible said in verse 11 of Exodus 33. And the Lord spake unto Moses, face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend and he turned again into the camp but his servant Joshua the son of Nun a young man departed not out of the tabernacle now why did Joshua not depart out of the tabernacle I'll tell you why that's where God was now the simple title of the message tonight is this and it's not new but boy God birthed this back on my heart is staying close to where God is That's what I need, that's what you need, is to stay close to where God is. Now, this is not the first time we've seen Joshua. Matter of fact, when all the sin was going on down at the bottom of the mountain, Joshua had been up there close enough to Moses. He heard some things that were going on, but he stayed close to where God is and where God was. And that's what you and I better learn to do. I remember years ago, we used to go fishing. Christy brought that up to me the other night because Garrett's really bad about this now, too. We used to go fishing. And it'd be about dark, Brother Harold. I mean, you couldn't even hardly see the fish. I'm thinking, all right, just let me stay. I'm going to throw out one more time. And you end up throwing out 25 or 30 more times because you didn't want to leave. Joshua wasn't fishing, man. He had been in God's presence, and he wanted to stay where God was. Boy, God help us to have that same drive, that same energy, and that same desire to be where God is. And Joshua certainly uh, did that. Now think about this. We know according to the Word of God that Joshua was Moses' minister. How do you know that? Well, in chapter number 24, in verse number 13, he's referred to as Moses' minister. What is a minister? It wasn't like, like we think about a minister today, a preacher. That minister means to contribute and to serve. He was a contributor. He was a servant unto Moses as Moses led the people. He had so we could call Joshua his right hand man. Now he had Aaron, his brother, because he wasn't eloquent in speech. So God put Aaron in his life. But not only did he have an Aaron, he had a young man by the name of Joshua at his right hand that he was mentoring, that he was training, that he was educating. Eventually God would use him in a mighty way to lead the people of God when Moses went off of the scene. Now, uh, Joshua was obviously close to Moses when he was up on the mountain because notice what it said in chapter 32 and verse number 17. Now, God has just given him the tables uh, of the Ten Commandments in verse 16. Then in verse 17, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. Where was Joshua at when he said that he was close enough to talk to Moses? He was close enough, I believe, to hear the voice of God as God had communed with Moses. And I believe old Joshua had a desire. He wanted to be sort of following the footsteps of Moses. He had seen the touch of God on Moses' life. And you know what old Joshua said? Man, it ain't that I need more education. I don't really need more uh, uh, strength to exercise, bodily exercise. I don't really need more knowledge. I don't really need more wisdom. I don't need more philosophy. I don't need more money. But I sure do need to get to where God is. And he had witnessed God speaking and communing with 
Moses. Now think about this. When we think about exposure, we use the word exposure a lot. And there's a negative connotation of that. And there's also a positive connotation of that. When it comes to being exposed to things, if you work with a car battery, Brother Brandon works around batteries all the time, and you got to be real, real careful, with especially some of those old batteries. And I don't even know if they, I guess most of them are sealed now, but they used to have those caps you could pull off and you could see that acid. If that acid gets on your skin, guess what? You've been exposed to that and it's going to burn your skin. We're in the midst of flu season. Now, if you get around somebody, you spend close uh, quarters with somebody that's got the flu, chances are you exposed to that, that there's a consequence to it, you're probably going to end up with the flu. You could go on and on. I think about the coal miners up in West Virginia, those that used to, to, to coal and those that still do. You get exposed to that coal dust, and as a result, result of that exposure, a lot of people end up with black lung. Even the government there in West Virginia have reached out and tried to help uh, those that have been affected and families as well with, with that black lung. And when you go on, you, you think about radiation. They tell you, well, if you expose to radiation, then you're exposed to it. That can lead to cancer. Now, that's the negative side of being exposed to things. But think about the positive aspects as well. A lot of folks say, well, you know, I want to be a carpenter. That's what I want to do as trade. Listen, I believe in working with your hands. You know, the trade industry nowadays, there's a lot of folks that are lacking in that department. But if you want to know something about carpentry, Brother Howard, you go, somebody that, that's skilled in that department, and you it get exposed to that. You want to be a plumber. You go to somebody that, 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 that knows what they're doing in the plumbing industry, you get exposed, exposed to that, and you, you, you sort of invest some time with them. And, and, of course, you could be a plumber, an electrician, you, a mechanic. You could go on and on and on. The same holds true in the spiritual realm. You see, the thing that ought to drive us, we ought, we ought to be around people that's got the touch of God on their life. Can I get a witness right there? I mean, think about it. We, we ought to want to have a drive to be around people that have got the touch of God on their life, that have come through heartaches, come through situations, come through circumstances and obstacles and opportunities to bring glory to God. We ought to want to be around folks like that. I think about vocation. That vocation a lot of times is passed on from the plumber to the electrician to the carpenter to the mechanic. A lot of that is passed on. Hey, we need to, we need to pass on our spiritual heritage, our spiritual legacy to those. Man, I'm telling you, it's important. Again, we, we, we don't spare much when it comes to this next generation coming up of young people. We want to do all we can while we can. Why? We know how difficult it is. We know how hard it is. But we want exposure to the fires of God. And listen, the smoke of this world will never satisfy when you get to where God is and where God's moving and where God's blessing, where God's saying He's still doing all of those things. But we got to pass it on. Moses was passing that on unto Joshua, but Joshua stayed at the tabernacle. Why? Because that is where God was. It's good to be exposed to good, godly people. We use this expression quite often. 
Friends are like elevators. They'll take you up and they'll take you down. People are like that. And that's a fact. People in general. You get around somebody that, that's, got, that's got God on their life, man, you get around them. It ain't going to be long. You learn some of those principles, how they live. And listen, there ain't nobody perfect, by the way. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying this. Some folks just got that touch of God. They light up a room, man, when they go in. They're an encouragement to people. That's what we ought to strive to be and to be around. And boy, old Joshua, he said, man, I, I got to stay here. Moses was Joshua's mentor, we could say. His guardian while he's up there uh, on the mountain. He was his example. And boy, Joshua had been exposed to God's glory. There's that pillar, that old cloud come on, on top of uh, the mount there as he's receiving the law. He could probably hear the voice. I don't know if he could hear verbatim. But he could hear that God was communicating with Moses. And Moses was communicating with God. And he was close enough to Moses that he heard what was going on down there at the bottom of the hill. And, and it wasn't a sound of war. It wasn't a sound like they were in trouble. You check it out. It was a sound of music and dancing. That's when you get down there later on, man, they're naked and they're running around. It's unbelievable. In just a few short days how they turned away from God. But Moses and Joshua were there. And Joshua wanted to stay. And, and think about this. Joshua had seen God's glory on the mount in that pillar of a cloud. Joshua witnessed the rebellion against God at the bottom of the mountain. Joshua heard God talk to Moses, but Joshua chose to stay longer. Because notice what the Bible said, that last part of verse 11. And he turned again into the camp, that's Moses, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. He wanted to stay where God was. Again, it was no accident. That later on, a few years later after this, that God would call a man by the name of Joshua to lead the people over the Jordan River into the promised land. But there's some things that, that Joshua had, and we could say a few things about Joshua. Joshua got on the board early. You say, hey, you know that. Well, the Bible said there in the last part of verse number 11, the son of Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man. Can God use a young man? Absolutely. Can God use a young woman? Absolutely. Can God use an older man? Absolutely. Can God use an older woman? Absolutely. He can. But you see, Joshua got on the board early. The Bible didn't call him an old man. Didn't call him a, a senior citizen. He said he was a young man. And boy, it's important, young people, to get involved early. Man, get on, get on board. Give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're listening to me tonight. You've never been saved. That's your greatest need tonight. Man, let me just tell you, I, I'd love to introduce you. Anybody would love to introduce you to the one, man, that can just that, that loves you so much that he gave his life that you can be forgiven of sin. He don't want you to die. Hey, go to a place called hell. He wants you to go to heaven, but there's only one way to go, and you've got to receive him by faith. And boy, God loves you so much. Tonight would be a good night to get saved if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. But old Joshua, he got on board early. Now think about this. Paul told Timothy to flee youthful lust. You know, there's some things, there's, there's certain drives and desires when you're younger that dissipate over time. Am I telling it right, Brother Harold? I mean, there's certain desires you got when you're younger. Yeah, man, it's time I used to I used to play all kinds of sport. I, I don't want to do that anymore, Brother Adrian. Why? Because it hurts anymore when you go and you do that. But you know, most time, young young men and young young women would have been would have been preoccupied, focusing on something else. But Joshua got on the board early, man, because the Bible said he was a young man. There's other stuff that that probably appealed to the flesh, but he fl he flew from those 
youthful lust because he wanted to stay where God was. Not only did he get on the board early as a young man, but Joshua stayed close to God's man being Moses. The scripture said there, you see it multiple times in chapter 32 and chapter number 33. Seem like everywhere Moses is, Joshua is in the background. Again, he's called his minister. In other words, he contributed to the ministry of Moses. He was a servant to Moses and God used him mightily, but we see that he stayed close to God's man. Boy, there's been a lot of uh, God's men and even God's ladies down through the years that made a great and a vast uh, difference in my life. And There's probably multiple people, if you've been in church any length of time, that's made a difference in your life. You are, some of them may already be in glory. That's my case. A lot of folks have done went on, but boy, they made a difference in my life. I've seen the touch of God on their life. I said, Lord, i got to have the touch. That's sort of like Elisha was when he's talking about Elisha. Lord, give me a double portion. Because the touch of God was on was so real. How old Joshua, uh, he got on the board early. He stayed close to God's man, but he stayed close to God. How do you know? Well, he's up on the mountain listening. He's away from that sinful crowd. Then at the bottom, he's close to Moses up there on the mountain. And the Word of God said in verse number 11, And he turned again in the camp, that's Moses, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. That's where God was communicating with the people. Man, he stayed close to God. And you know, uh, communication is very, very important, and you got to stay close in order to communicate. And boy, that's what Joshua wanted to do. And I believe old Joshua, and I didn't know Dad was going to pull out that red book. I guess it was the, maybe the second song we sung, I want to know more. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about my Jesus. That ought to be our desire as God's people to stay close to where he is, but we ought to want to learn. But there ought to be a drive to get a deeper understanding of, of the Scriptures, a deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge as we grow and develop in the Lord. And again, none of us have arrived. They can't nobody raise the, the hand and say, oh, yeah, I've, I've reached that pinnacle and I, I can't grow anymore. All of us, we're still here, man. We're a work in progress. That little song of kids sing, Jesus is still working on me. Well, he's still working on me. And whether you're honest or not, he's still working on you. We are, we are, we are a, something in progress, a process of work where God is molding us into the Lord Jesus Christ. But he wanted something more. He wanted a deeper understanding of Higher knowledge, but you know what will kill you? You know what will kill an individual? You know what will kill a church? You know what will kill a ministry is this. Spiritual apathy. Unsatisfied where you are. Well, this is as far as I, as far as I can come. No, you ought to have a drive to continue to push, to push forward for the cause of Christ. A deeper understanding, deeper wisdom of the Lord. Boy, Joshua, he had that. Here he was, and he, he didn't cry because he was playing second fiddle to God because there's nobody that plays second fiddle in the work of God. He's just as important as Moses. He was a minister to Moses. He was contributing. He was serving, and he was a help to God's man, Moses. But understand, uh, if you have spiritual apathy and you say, well, I'm, just, I'm satisfied where I am, eventually it'll lead to spiritual dullness and eventually spiritual deadness. Amen. To get to the point, well, I've arrived and I don't need nothing else. And you know, it's extremely difficult sometimes to get people to where God is. You say, why is that? Because you've got to wade through so much stuff of the world. Am I telling it right? Brother Brandon's on the front line with our younger 
generation or younger, and it's and it's tough for the younger. It's tough for the middle-aged folk. Hey, it's tough for the senior adults, man. It is. Why? It's hard to get people where God is because to get them there, they got to come through. They got to wade through the cares and the affairs of the world, all the obstacles, all the distractions that take our focus off of the Lord and His glory and His honor and His majesty. And if you're not careful, the devil will throw up a smoke screen. And instead of focusing on him, you'll be focusing on you. What about me? <laughs> Amen. So what are you talking about, preacher? Well, listen, it's not about us as individuals. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about him. And it's hard sometimes to get folks to where God is. But get this. Joshua had been where God was. Up on the mountain. Remember, you go back to chapter 32. He's up there where Moses was. Moses communicating with God. And Joshua hears all that going on. So he tells Moses. So he's up there with him. And then he comes down and he sees, he witnesses that golden calf, the rebellion of God's people against God. He witnesses all that. He sees the intercession by Moses. He's there when Moses communes with God in the, the, the tabernacle of the congregation, as it's called right here in chapter number 33, there in the tabernacle. But then, instead of just saying, all right, I got enough, the Bible said Moses left. Hey, tell what it said, look at it again, verse number 11. And he turned again into the camp, so he left the tabernacle. But the Bible said, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Not only did Joshua get to where God was, he stayed where God was. Everybody get that? He stayed where God was. Well, what was the results of that? Again, you go back and you look. Joshua was that rare breed that... that, that that surrendered it all unto the Lord, and he's the one that would lead the people across the Jordan River into the promised land. It's never too young, it's never too old for you to get to where God is. What, what my sister Savannah comes, I wonder what are some of those things that maybe you're trying to wade through. And let me say this, some of you may feel like, well, you know, preacher, I'm I'm so old now, I don't know that I could really be mentored. Well, you might be able to be a mentor and a guide and example to somebody else. But, boy, there's one thing we need more than anything else. We need to touch of God on our lives. If you're going to make it in the Christian life, if you're going to be successful with the Lord, you're going to have to have a touch of the Lord on your life. Amen. We got to get to where God is. And once we get there, man, let's stay where God is. We stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father. I sure do love you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to share your word tonight. I pray that we'd find some truths and glean some truths from your word to get to where you are. Lord, I'm thankful for the impact that Joshua had and Moses had on Joshua's life. Joshua had that desire to not only be where your presence was, but he desired to stay there. God help us, I pray. Lord, our country, our community, our families desperately need us to be close to you. I pray for that touch on every person's life. Above all, if there's one here tonight, lost, never been saved, I pray that tonight be that good hour. I pray for our young people. Lord, you used Joshua when you started molding and making him when he was young. I pray that you do the same. Lord, here in this auditorium tonight, we'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise for we ask it on Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter. 
pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. 
Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.